0: We're really thrilled to be able to invite or to welcome Mark and Maria among us. Um, Mark's here preaching this morning, not but actually because we invited him, but he invited himself. Yeah. 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 So there you are. If you want to preach here, invite yourself. But we are delighted. We have a long history with Mark and Maria. They have had a lot of input into us as a community and helped to direct us and shape who we are. So can I just stretch your hands out? I'm going to pray for Mark. So, Father, we want to thank you for Mark's ministry. We want to thank you for the way he has faithfully served us and his heart is for us. Yeah. And we ask now, Lord, that he will just have tremendous freedom as he discharges that which you've given to him for yes. us. And let Amen. us receive that word in yes. Jesus' Amen. name.
1: Amen. 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 Wonderful. Thank you, Alan. And uh, thank you for allowing me to gate crash. Yeah. Uh, Maria and I were coming up, uh, came up yesterday um, to um, do an event in Durham Ladies' Prison. I keep forgetting the name of it, um, which uh, was an extraordinary time, actually. We saw some great salvations and just the presence of God touching those ladies' lives, which was absolutely fantastic. And I thought, well, what else should I do when I'm up here? Oh, I know. <laughs> I've got a mate down the road, <laughs> so here I am. Um, so it's not to waste too much time cause we want to make sure that we get home for lunch and I understand there's a good lunch of pork um, prepared. Oh, it, I know, know, know. hello! <laughs> I just want to read to you a scripture from Haggai, if I may. Um, I've been very moved over the... uh, I'll just turn my timer on. I keep forgetting to turn my timer on, so there you go. Um, I've been really moved over the last, I think, several months, to be honest, concerning the necessity of us recognising the importance of the presence of God among us. Um, Not just as, isn't it nice that the Holy Spirit does some stuff... Isn't it nice that the, the, you know, the worship is slightly more lively than normal? Isn't it nice that we get tongues and prophecies and interpretations and things like that? But a tangible understanding of the manifest presence of God Amen. among us. And I believe it's something I feel that God is urgently wanting to attract our attention to at the moment. And I want to express some of that this morning. But I just want to read to you from Haggai. Um, let's see, where shall I start? Um, Thus says the Lord of hosts, this is chapter 1, there's only two chapters in Haggai, so it's not a very long book, but a very profound book. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while this... House lies in ruins. Now therefore says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. That I might take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld their dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, and, and, and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and all the labours. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord, of the, God, of the Lord of hosts their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the 6th month, in the second year of Darius, the king. God goes on to speak through Haggai a little later to say, My spirit is among you. I want to say something that I'm sure that there may be some who would scratch their heads and feel I'm being unnecessary but I feel God has spoken to me over the last months very clearly now some years back many of you might remember I can't remember who the preacher was but someone preached and they gave this statement God wants his house wants his wants his church back I can't remember who it was, but it seemed to rattle around the Christian church for a while. God wants his church back. I feel actually God is saying, I want my house back. I want my house back. And I think by and large, I want to suggest that the manifest presence of God has for some time, um, in some measure, I would suggest, been removed from the people of God. Pause. It's been removed from the people of God because it would seem that we are competing with the rest of society for their attention so as to show that faith in God is relevant to them rather than drawing them to the presence of God and then finding relevance in his presence. I've travelled around churches from time to time and it's been my privilege to do so but I have become more and more alarmed. That we are abandoning the presence of God for the sake of order. For the sake of doing things right. For the sake of wanting to draw in people to a, a palatable process. But the presence of God is missing. As Paul described in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5, this becomes form without divine substance, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. We are in danger of blending in rather than standing out. I'm not saying that this morning here because that's where you are. I feel God's given me a word I want to share at the end of this which actually says opposite to that. But I feel it's important to share because that's where we're going unless we arrest the situation. Throughout the history of mankind, the presence of God among his people has has significantly changed and transformed moments in time and history, and has always been what identifies the people of God. Always. If you're, a, if you're a fan of church history, and I know you've got Raylo coming in a few weeks, and I'm sure he, he will uh, wax lyrical about events in history where, where God has moved. Events in history have demonstrated where God has said, I am among my people. The covenant that God made with Israel was a promise that they would be his people and he would be their God, and that he would dwell among his people. Exodus chapter 6, verse 7 says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will dwell among the people of Israel, and will be their God." Moses famously argued with God when facing the challenge of rescuing God's people from Egypt and uh, he argued with God when he was being offered angelic support to go and do such a task and he said, no, no, please, God, unless your presence goes with me, with us, how will we be distinguishable from any other people on the face of the earth? It's a serious statement. What sets us apart is not great buildings like this. I love this building. I love the colour coordination. How did you manage to find clocks the same colour as your chairs? (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. You you clearly have that anointing. Or a very good um, uh, designer or whatever. What sets us apart is not buildings like this, although this is a part of what God wants to do among you. What sets us apart is not our projects among the poor. What sets us apart is not great meetings with louder sounds and better lighting. All those things are being done by the world and done brilliantly. There are charity efforts across this world that are far greater than some of the charity efforts that come out of the church. But what sets us apart compared to the others. It's not how well we do it, but it's the fact that the presence of God is among us. And so the smallest action of love with the presence of God has the ability to transform huge swathes of society in a greater measure than millions of pounds poured into the next project. If only we would live in that place. God... Unless you go with us, don't take us further. What sets us apart is God's presence. His authority that cannot be matched or bettered by anyone. Negatively, God often equates his judgment as to the removal of his presence. And if we had time, we could go through numerous scriptures as evidence of this. Also, the very nature of hell is, is a position according to Paul in two Thessalonians as, as being removed from the presence of God and from the glory of his might. So if eternal, our eternal destiny of, uh, of being, let's call it hell, is being removed from the presence of God, And if the presence of God is not active in our lives on earth, uh, (laughs) do we experience hell on earth? Now some would say, of course, God's present everywhere. Maria said to me this morning, "Does does not God say, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Yes, God is omnipresent. If he was not omnipresent, if God's presence was not active in our world right now, we would be dead. He holds all things together by the word of his mouth. He controls all things. Creation submits to him. He is everywhere all of the time. I think John Piper it was who said that God is doing 10,000 things in your life every single moment of every single day, but you may only see one of them. Because he is at work. He is present with us. But I want to suggest what I'm talking about is something slightly different. It's that temple presence. It's the tabernacle presence. It's the presence of God in the garden with Adam and Eve. It's that moment of the glory of God coming down. It's the mountain that shakes with smoke and thunder. It's the manifest presence of God that I believe God wants wants us to have among us. The presence of God was always promised to his people to give assurance in the face of less than favourable circumstances. The presence of God is a central goal in God's redemptive mission. All of God's work ends with God dwelling with man. Thirdly, the presence of God becomes the source of great miracles and power, displaying God's sovereign rule and power among his people. Guys, the call of God on our lives is not simply to be the moral, spiritual, ethical plumb line to keep humanity on course. The goal of our lives is to represent God faithfully. Giving the world answers for the impossible and leading them to personal encounters with God through an authentic proclamation of the gospel, which will include displays of great power and heaven-touching earth. The Jews understood this. They understood that if God was with them, miracles would follow. They said to Jesus, no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with you. If we had time, we could track the development of God's presence throughout the Old Testament, Uh, looking at the garden, looking at the tabernacle in the wilderness, followed by the temple, the dwelling place of God among his people. We could research Haggai that bit further, 70 years out of captivity. We could research how God moved Cyrus and spoke of Cyrus 150 years before Cyrus was even born and named him by name. We could talk about those things that God is so jealous for his presence But time wouldn't allow. And Alan would turn me off. (laughs) But I want to suggest to you, these are but a foreshadow of what was to come. Haggai prophesied that the glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former. This was in the same, in the same passages that we just read earlier. This was prophesied during that rebuilding of the temple when they came out of captivity. After 70 years. And God said, my spirit is dwelling in your midst. God wants you to hear this this morning. I am with you, says the Lord. Now, for the people of Haggai's day, and if you were to look at Ezra and Nehemiah, and you would look at some of, I think, two chronicles and other passages, read Daniel, the captivity, the captivity chapters you will recognise that something happened, a revival happened among the Jews of that day. The temple was rebuilt, they worked and laboured incredibly, but they worked and laboured because they heard that one statement. I am with you, says the Lord. What does that do for you? I am with you, says the Lord. That is such a huge, huge statement. Now, if we skip 500 years uh, in advance of the passage in Haggai, we come to the most glorious moment in history. And that is, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or tabernacled would be a translation. God, God's presence was manifest in human form in Christ Jesus and walked among us. Everywhere that Jesus went, the presence of God went. No longer confined to an ornate box, or trapped in a temple where the priests alone could go, but Jesus, the Son of God, the very presence of God, the temple of God, now walked among humanity. And wherever he went... Miracles followed. Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of his nature, now was with us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, entered human history to give his life as a ransom for many. Because because of his grace, he brought us back in the most unimaginable ways so we could once again have unbroken relationship with God, our Father. The presence of God was with us. He walked in Galilee. He went among the lepers. He went among the tax collectors. He went among the prostitutes. The presence of God was mobile. Wherever he went, the power of God was there. The dead were raised. The sick were healed, the lepers were cleansed, and the forgiveness of sins once for all time was given to those who not only recognised the presence of God in Christ, but submitted to him as Lord. Wow! There was such a period of silence from Malachi through to Matthew. Prophetic silence. Is God still with us? Boom! Jesus, the presence of God among us. But I want us to be clear, the presence of God was the end goal of all redemptive history. I want you to be clear on this. It's important to how we preach the gospel. Redemptive history is the history of God's plan which he decreed before the foundation of the world. It was what God had done in the past to redeem humanity and it's what he will do in the future to redeem humanity. This is redemptive history. You see, the death of Christ on the cross was to bear our sins. Yes, it was. It was to cancel out the certificate of debt against humanity when they said, we don't need you, God. We've got it all. we we'll do our own thing. And from that, point, from that point forward, we have done all sorts of things, but very wrong. And often we can point to the, the actual sins, the lies, the deceptions, the... The thievery, but actually the reality is that was all caused because there was a separation from God our Father and humanity. The death of Christ on the cross, yes, bore our sins, but this was not the end. It was only in fact the beginning. Just the beginning. See, the removal of our sin was for the purpose of renewing our fellowship and relationship with God our Father. It wasn't just to make us sinless. It was so that we could have a relationship with him and the presence of God could now dwell within us. It's fundamental to the gospel. It was for the purpose of fellowship. It's what God had designed from the beginning. If we don't see the end result of the cross as the presence of God and we don't see the end result as a power-filled life, the cross simply becomes a therapeutic process. You need to go to the cross. Why? You need to get rid of some sin. Well, as someone once said, it's time to get off the cross. We need the wood. I don't mean that irreverently. I mean it's time to move on. If Christ has saved you through his death, wonderfully portrayed through the breaking of bread this morning, it's time to live beyond the cross in the kingdom of heaven. The cross has done its work. Hallelujah! Now it's time to live beyond the cross, into the into the revelation of all that God wants to do, because his presence is now at work among us. I don't want to stand there forever saying, God, please forgive me. God, please forgive me. God, I know he's forgiven me. And tomorrow if I sin, I'll wake up and I'll say, God, forgive me, and his mercy will be new. I haven't got to keep going back and saying, Jesus, be crucified again for me. I go beyond into the revelation of God. Our old life is put to death. The cross is a place where we can move on as conquerors through Christ who loves us, knowing the indwelling presence of God through the Holy Spirit. But you know, Jesus' life on the earth, as glorious as it was, was limited. It was limited by 30 or so years. He was only here for that period of time. But he also lived with limitations. You see, as the Son of God, he could do anything at any time in any way he chose. But as the Son of Man, he chose to live with limitations. And he chose to do only that that he saw his Father doing. He said, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself, except what his Father shows him. He lived with limitations. On the cross, he could have just... Nails out, walk away. He lived with limitations. And I'm thankful for that. Every morning at 10.38, I have an alarm on my phone. Goes off every morning at 10.38. Has been for quite a long time now. Very irritating at times when you're in the middle of a conversation and your alarm goes off again. But 10.38 reminds me in Acts 10.38 of this scripture. That God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Christ, limited on earth, full of the Holy Spirit, demonstrating how we should now live in the presence of God. What he did, we do. What he faced, we can face. He wasn't super God on earth. He was the Son of Man. Yes, perfect and holy with a mission that was clear. Full of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, he performed extraordinary miracles, demonstrating that God was at work. To the extent, remember the story of Nicodemus, when he snuck up to him in the middle of the night, he says, I know you must be from God, because of the miracles that you do. God must surely be with you. Hey, listen, Nicodemus, you must be born again. See, they knew the presence of God because of the miracles. There was no doubt. Do people know? The presence of God is with us. How do they know? Because we sing slightly more in a lively fashion than others. We smile a bit more. We do a bit of back slapping. We clap in time sometimes. How do they know the presence of God is with us? The only way they know is by the miracles that are performed among God's people. That's what the presence of God does. However, the plan was unfolding. According to the eternal desire of God in Christ, the temple of God was mobile, it was glorious, but it was limited. But now through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the temple is no longer mobile and limited. It is now powerfully multiplied. Through the birth of the church, through the indwelling presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is now multiplied. In this room is a representation of the presence of God. If you are full, if you are full of the Holy Spirit, if you've been baptized in the Spirit, the presence of God is here, right now, and I stand in awe. He's with us. He's with you. He's with me. This is a temple dwelling place of God in the spirit I'm in awe now look around this room, I'm in awe presence of God is with you, is with us he's even with Alan <laughs> oh it's hope for all in him we read in Ephesians 2 we are being built together into the dwelling place of God by the spirit So now we read in Ephesians 3, Now through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that was now realised in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. This meeting is shaking the heavens. Your life in Christ is shaking principalities and powers perception of what God has done through Christ Jesus. There's a portrait being painted in the heavens of the grace of God over your life, because the presence of God has manifest, been manifest through Christ in you. How extraordinary is that? John fourteen fifteen. In Jesus' discussion with his disciples, he promised the Holy Spirit would come, the Spirit of truth, that the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And he goes on to promise that for those who love him and obey his commands, he says, we will come and make our home in you. Here's the promise of the powerful, indwelling presence of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we will make our home, think about that, home in you. Not just I'm going to come on you and make you feel slightly warm. We're going to make our home in you. That, to me, is quite extraordinary. Here is the promise of the powerful indwelling presence of God. You so, see, the first house of God mentioned in the Bible was the one that Jacob saw. Remember the dream? Woke up, he saw angels ascending and descending on the, on the earth. He looked and marvelled. This is none other than the house of God, he said, the gateway of heaven. And as we know, he called that place Bethel, the house of God. That's the first place it was mentioned. But also notice in that in that account with Jacob, he said this is the gate of heaven. Now, I want us to understand this. Because we are now the house of God, and very quickly, I'll explain very quickly, actually looking at my timer, I will explain what that means, but it says the gate of heaven. The gate is an access point. It's a place where people come and go. And he said as the angels ascended and descended, this is the house of God, the gate of heaven. It's where God's presence, power and righteousness and love comes into the earth to establish his kingdom among us. If we have become the house of God, if we are the house of God where the presence of God exists, we are also the gate of heaven. Think about that. God has established his house between two worlds. And there's a gate. Heaven and earth. The church has been built Between the two. With Christ, the temple, as our head. The presence of God in Christ, and we, in Him, are now between two worlds. The house of God exists there. What we do here this morning is not just in Durham. It's between two worlds. There's the earth, and there is the heavens. And you are right between the two. You're at that junction, and you are the gate. Of heaven for the presence of God to come in and to go out where angels will ascend and descend how does this work Would well, John Jesus referred to himself in uh, in John 2 as the temple when they challenged him and he said look destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in in three days he was very clear I am the temple he made it very clear and then Jesus encounters Nathaniel in the early stages of John's Gospel, and he looks and he sees Nathaniel under a tree. And he says, "Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree." Nathaniel said, "How? What's this about?" He said, "The things you have seen, greater things will you see, because, yeah, because, uh, and you will see angels ascending and descending on who? The Son of Man. Why? Because there's the temple, there's the gate, and we are in Him. Angels ascending and descending." I've never seen angels until about a month ago. I was in a meeting like this, preaching, and two of them, at the back of the meeting, terrified the life out of me, and I cried almost all the way through. I've been looking this morning, I can't see one, but it was there. Why? Because the authority of Christ, the temple was being was being identified, the presence of Christ was there, the gate of heaven was open, and the angels were ascending and descending, bringing the revelations of God. That's what it says. Heaven opened over Jesus that had been previously closed, giving access to unlimited fellowship with God our Father and unlimited resources. Remember, Eden was closed. The presence of God was closed off to man. Flaming swords the picture. Find the postcode and check it out for yourself. Flaming swords, you can't go there until Christ. And heaven's opened and have never been closed since. And we, in Christ, are under an open heaven as the house of God between two worlds and are now living as the gate of heaven. where the resources of heaven will come and will go. And unlimited resources of power and might are at our disposal if we would just recognise why the, why the presence of God is so important to us and not limit him by saying, well, it's better we get better lighting. We can see better. We need to be able to see by the light of Christ. Then we will know. Through the power of the Holy Spirit poured out of Pentecost, the presence and power of the Son of God now dwells in us. End result, as the body of Christ on earth, we are now the house of God, the gateway of heaven. Look at the way the disciples changed. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Lame man at the temple. Everyone had walked past him day after day after day. Until now, they are part of this great open heaven moment and the gate of heaven. And they say, What we have, we give you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And he walked. Shadows falling, praying for the sick. Three thousand saved at the preaching of the gospel. There's an open heaven. Why would that not be transmitted to now? Why was it just Acts 2 in the Bible, close the book, done? Why was it that? It wasn't. It's been transmitted to right now. Here, right now. Open heaven, house of God between two worlds with a gate. And God moving by spirit, bringing the resources of heaven into our reality. My dear friends... Through the indwelling power of the Son of God, through the Holy Spirit, we live under that open heaven. Just think about one, very one, think about this for a very brief moment. I'm just okay. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, yes? Think of the context. The context was he was speaking and preaching on the kingdom of heaven. And in the context of preaching on the kingdom of heaven, he said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yes, let's honour God. Put him first in all that we do. That's the source of all power. He is the source of all salvation and hope. Then it says, pray this way. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not as it will be. Not as it one day when you die and you think, well, I hope it's, I hope the, hope it's there somewhere. It's right now. For parallel worlds, if you were in Celtic Christianity many years ago, they would say heaven and earth are but six feet, um, was it three feet or six feet apart, but in some places it's a little thinner. They call them thin spots. I'm still trying to work that one out. Six feet. I think I'd probably just reach if Maria holds my other hand. But that's the reality. He says, now pray, kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. We have the opportunity to pray for the resources of heaven to touch earth today. When you pray for the sick, what are you asking for? That this lovely person never suffers again? or are you praying that the inheritance that is theirs in Christ in eternity, which is wholeness and fullness, can be encouraged and enjoyed in the present? Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I know I've got a very dodgy hip, hobbled up the step. They're about to deal with it, which is thank- I'm very thankful for. But I know I haven't got a dodgy hip in heaven. I'm not diabetic in heaven. I haven't got wonky eyes in heaven. Maria says I've got I've had just about every ailment that you can have in history, you go from A to Z, and I've had one that matches every every letter. Maria says. I haven't got any of those in heaven. There's no A to Z of my ailments in heaven. So today I can say, Heavenly Father, I want to receive what is my inheritance in Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I'll be healed. Tell you a quick, 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 quick story. Very, very very, very quick. If I, say like, if I say it like that, you know I'm trying to be quick, don't you? <laughs> 2015, I had a stroke. Most shocking day of my life. I thought that was it. Never thought I'd preach again. Never thought I'd stand up again. Never thought I would do anything again, to be honest. Thankfully, by the superb work of the NHS, physiotherapy, or the rest of it, a lot of normality has come back. Some would say not, not as much as they ought to be, really. But um, But during that process, whilst in hospital the nurse came I was having some difficulty with kidneys and a nurse or doctor came pulled the curtain around my bed and said just to add injury to insult uh, we need to tell you we have found a growth in your kidney um, I think 4 centimetres was it 4 centimetres they said or four mil- I can't remember and it's not stones um, we need to remove your kidney uh, they don't do biopsies in kidneys so apparently it spreads it if it's cancer so I don't know if it was cancer So, at that time, went back, the church got praying, and, uh, and I remember in this prayer meeting, so I'd had a scan, the the growth was clearly there, got before the church, and said, uh, I've got another scan coming before I go in and have my kidney removed. The church prayed. I'm in this prayer meeting, and someone bellowed, all Mark needs to do is to tell God what he wants. I thought, I don't know what I want, but what I know is what I want, I want to know him. I want to meet with him. Now, I'm not being pious about this. I want to meet with him. And so I just simply said, Lord, be glorified in my health or be glorified in my sickness. But I want to know you. I went and had the scan, came back to the surgeon in preparation for the removal of my kidney. And he said, we've got a problem. Here's the screens. There's the first scan. There's the growth. Here's the second scan. No growth. God didn't do that because he loves me he did that to glorify his son and to demonstrate the power of his kingdom on earth yes. so that that testimony would become a witness for another to receive hope the doctor was confused and Maria said it's because the church has been praying and you can see him mumbling <laughs> Thank God. Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One final thought, then it goes on to say this. Pray this way. Give us today our daily bread. Now it's been sanitized, I'm afraid. Because that's not what it really says. What it actually says is this. And I'm trying to find this wonderful Greek word I had written down. I even practiced, I even practiced it this morning. But somehow it's mysteriously gone from my notes. But hey ho. Believe me, it's there. (laughs) What it actually says is this. Give us today the bread of tomorrow. Not daily bread. It's not about whether or not you get a nice loaf and meat and three veg for dinner today. It's about the coming kingdom. And we can pray right now as the house of God, the gate of heaven, for coming kingdom resources now as it is in heaven. We can say, give us today the bread of tomorrow, or tomorrow's bread. This is kingdom prayer. Jesus says, if you want to know the kingdom of God, this, here it is. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today the bread of tomorrow. In other words, my inheritance today, please, Lord, in some good measure, please. That would be great. Listen, I'm going to finish. I, I, a lot more I could say, but I won't. Um, I'm stopping, promise, now. Gateway of heaven between heaven and earth, unlimited resources, but we need to appreciate it. It's time we lived in it. I feel God's got a word for you and I'm just gonna end with this. I felt during the worship God said this to me, the conditions are right. I said, what conditions, Lord? Now I was reminded, I played golf in Dubai one day with some friends on a golf course that was flooded in Dubai. And they were doing all this excavation work down the sides of the fairways. I asked what was going on. They said there's an aquifer under the ground. And every now and again it comes up to the surface. They were trying to deal with this problem. What do we do with all this water? But I feel God would say to you this morning, the conditions are right for the aquifer to break the surface in this place. But, what would you do with that aquifer? Would you say, what a nuisance that God is moving in this way? Would you say, let's sweep it off, quick. I'm getting wet feet. I feel God has given me three things that you will do. You'll start to learn how to dig wells. Because if there's an aquifer... There is a constant flow of resourcing. You're also going to move some of that water into reservoirs. And I believe that God is going to draw people to this place. And they will almost like walk the banks of the reservoir and see the fruitfulness that's here. And they'll swim in the waters and they'll drink from the waters and they'll say, this is a good place. You will expand your reach because there is an aquifer flooding the surface. You'll not be concerned about whether or not your reach is going too far. God wants you to develop a reservoir mentality where the presence and the purposes of God flood in and are captured there for the benefit of many. And you will also build a fountain whose source is the aquifer that never stops flowing. And this place, week by week, on a Sunday morning, it's not going to be a well, that's for something else. A well is to resource, to give away, to give away. The fountain will be here every Sunday morning, where the water comes up and deluges anyone within close proximity to that fountain. If you're right in the fountain, you're going to get very wet. If you're outside of the fountain, you're going to get the splash. But this place will be known as the fountain of the Lord. Because it's not attached to a water system where you can turn it on or turn it off. That sees that the time is right, the conditions are right for that aquifer to begin to supply. So God wants you to be determined and particular about this. Is God moving? Yes. We need to start ensuring that what is here is really going to touch people. And we're going to dig a well to refresh people. And we're going to develop a reservoir so that many people will come and enjoy its benefits, in Jesus' name. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith, Jesus says in me, you'll do what I've been doing, and do even greater things than these, because I go to the Father. Can we stand together? Thank you for your patience. Hope you understand where I'm coming from. The statements at the beginning where God says I want my house back I believe you are reclaiming what God wants you're kicking out the the tenants that have disturbed the peace in the house the articles that have come into the house of God that aren't necessary and add nothing to its value and Holy Spirit I want to pray right now as a people as a people that this group will be a kingdom of priests to our God and not a kingdom with some priests Lord I pray for the mobilization of the whole body of Christ in this place demonstrating the presence of God with awe And wonder with signs and miracles. Lord, I pray for signs and miracles in this place. Not to create fascination, but to create a testimony that Christ is on the throne. At the right hand of the Father. I pray release of miracles in this place, Lord. I pray for healings and salvations on a regular basis in this place because the presence of God dwells among you. You are the house of God, the gateway of heaven established between two worlds, heaven and earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive God's blessing over you. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: There may be people among us who, you've heard Mark, but there's that sense of you've grown dull, you've grown dry. And God is saying today, I want you just to take that step where you say, I'm on board, I'm with you in this Jesus. And I want us to have an opportunity to pray for you, we're going to release everyone else. Uh, Parents, you've got a few minutes before you collect these kids. But if you feel that you really just need to make that step and say, Jesus, I want to walk again with you. I have grown hard. I have grown cold. Then we want to pray. We're not going to make a big deal of it. John, if you can have your ministry team. In fact, we can have the ministry team come out. So, Father, right now, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that Mark has been faithful to you in discharging that word. And Lord, we recognize that it is a word that is going to shape us for the days ahead. So right now, Lord, we just give you all the praise and thanks. Amen. So folks, without any further ado, we're just going to release people. If you want prayer, John and the ministry team are here to stand with you, that we go together as a community committed to all that Jesus has for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.